Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call 702-847-8747. That's extension 2 or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. And I want to thank AllElk.com, home of the Bugle Mule. Use the JSO10 to save 10% on all orders. The Bugle Mule attaches to your bugle, and it's a great little carrier that holds three elk calls right there on your bugle tube. And it's I can't wait to use it this season. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I got a couple of killers on the line, Coos Deer Killers. I've got Luke and Robert Todd of Southern Arizona on the line. They just got off an archery hunt and basically slayed them in the first week. Guys, how you doing? Doing good, Jay. How are you? Good. I'm excited to have you guys on the podcast to talk about uh, Coos Deer. Um, before we kind of get into that, uh, I just want to say m- my grandfather was a cattle rancher in southern Arizona and bought and sold cattle, and I, I always knew of the Todds. I believe I've met which would probably be your dad's, uh, maybe even your grandpa's at, at one time or another um, there in southern Arizona. But uh, guys, why don't you uh, kind of introduce yourselves and uh, kind of where you're born and raised and and a little bit about yourselves yeah i'm uh luke todd i'm the younger of me and robert uh 22 and grew up born and raised here in wilcox on my family's cattle ranch and my dad and my mom we got a ranch here and then all my extended family a lot of them have ranches too around here so we've just been growing up ranching Pretty much all we've been doing our whole lives here around the Wilcox area. And you guys, um, both Luke and Robert, you guys are in your low 20s, uh, not 25 yet. 
Um, so I assume you went to Wilcox High, or were you homeschooled, or how did that work? We, uh, yeah, we both went to high school there at Wilcox High, and went through most of our grade school at a little private school in town there. But it's we've spent our entire life here. Awesome. Um, I know you guys uh, ranch a lot in that um, Winchester's and Galero mountain ranges, uh, but I assume being ranch, ranch, you know, born and raised ranch kids, uh, you've, you've pretty much traipsed around a lot of the country there in southern Arizona in most of the mountain ranges. Is that pretty safe to say? Yeah, we're uh, we're lucky. We're in a really, we're really blessed. We're in a good position. We got like our family we ranch here mainly around the Winchesters and Galeros, like you said. And then um, we've been able to spend a lot of time day working on friends and family's ranches kind of all over the this southern part of the state. We've been in the Chiricahua's, Grams, uh, down by Bents, like just all, all over the state here. And it's really cool. We could see a lot of really cool country and ranching too, like doing the cattle works, not just hunting. So it's really cool. We get to see two sides of that. Yeah, guys, what are the conditions uh, right now in southern Arizona? Uh, you know, specifically, let's talk uh, Winchester's and Galeros uh, right now as far as conditions. Uh, not only monsoon rains, uh, just what what is it what is it like out there right now? Well, as far as monsoon rains go, it's been pretty bleak. I mean, we're way behind you know, what you'd call average or whatever. And guys, as far as ranching goes, it's sure enough, everybody's looking at cut numbers and, and you know, feed is pretty scarce. Related to deer, I don't, you know, it's not looking good either, but we had such a good spring this year that, I mean, as far as we've seen, the deer really haven't shown harsh effects of that, that we've been able to tell anyways. Um, and really, there's still another two, three weeks here that we could get some good rain and it would still make some feed, you know, but we're getting short on time. Yeah, for sure. Um, in that situation where, you know, the, the grass isn't growing and, you know, might not be good for cattle, you mentioned that maybe you didn't notice as much for coos deer. With them being, you know, primarily browsers, do you feel like the browse was in good enough condition with a wet spring, you know, wet winter, wet spring that, that it just uh, held them over? Yeah, like, it's funny, we're coming, we're in one of the driest monsoons we've had in a long time, but we're coming right out of one of the wettest winters, if not the wettest winter and spring that I've ever seen, personally, and the feed was just phenomenal this spring, and I think that it's just really helped carry them over, and, that, and that's helped a lot with the cattle, too. If we had a, a more normal, as far as the last 10 years, winter, we everybody would be in a lot worse shape than they're in already, but we've had such a good spring that I think that's why the deer appear to be in as good a condition as they are being as how dry it is. They've had enough of that browse, like you said, and then perennial forbs and shrubs to hold them over and they're still doing all right. Fantastic. I've been following you guys for several years. You, your Instagram is full of big buck, you know, big coos deer buck pictures and, and lots of cool stuff. Um, you guys, came off i believe i mean the last couple of years you guys have kind of tag teamed and helped each other as brothers you know shooting bucks but then you go and you both shoot um people are going to get to see the pictures now of these archery bucks uh have you guys had a uh, success archery hunting 
uh, like you just had in this last week? Or did you finally kind of break through and, and both shoot two really nice bucks with your bow? We've had a lot of failure. <laughs> Join the club, right? <laughs> it was uh, it was crazy. Yeah, like you said, it just broke through. Like the stars aligned. I don't know what exactly happened, but just the preparation was right, and we had the bucks found, and we knew where they were living, and we knew that they were in a decent area to to make some stocks on them, and it just it worked out better than I could have ever expected. Would, would you say that this year was any different than prior years? I mean, did you put more emphasis on trying to really figure out where the deer were, were or was it a, a, a sole factor of you just found deer uh, that you knew were in stockable positions? Well, yeah, it, that was part of it. We've, we've always been scouting. I mean, the last five years, me and Robert both have been hunting really hard and we always scout, but this year it was kind of just a perfect storm where we found these two bucks, which I don't know. I love some people probably don't know this, but they were actually running together, which was crazy. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we got, yeah, it was crazy. We got some really cool video and we got to watch them both together and compare them. But, um, neither of us also, we didn't draw rifle tags. Neither of us drew rifle tags. And so it was kind of just the perfect opportunity where we found these bucks before the hunt. And they're running together in a good area. And we found good bucks in August before, but it was either one of those deals where they were in a really tough spot to hunt them or we didn't have, or we had rifle tags. So we kind of just were waiting. We figured right. we just wait. And, and then with these two, like they were just, the way it worked out was even if we drew rifle tags, they weren't going to be in the right unit. Like we didn't put in for the unit that we found these bucks in and then we find them. So it just worked out perfectly where our only chance to kill them was basically right now because we weren't going to wait and see if they made it to December. Sure. Is that yeah. a, is that a problem for you guys? A lot of times when you have those rifle tags, would you say that maybe you haven't placed as much emphasis on the archery hunt because you want to shoot a good buck with your rifle and you feel like you have a better opportunity, but this year with not having rifle tags in your pocket, it was like, we, we, this is the year where we need to capitalize. Or do you think it just kind of worked out and you and you shot two really nice bucks? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd say it's a combination of both. Like you said, it's in years past we've either had one or the other, or both of us have had rifle tags, and and in August it's been finding these are really nice deer. But we have at least two months till our rifle hunts. Who knows what we can find next? That's kind of been our mentality, right, to this point. And so. So in other words, you're kind of choosy in that you know you might find a, just a bomber and it's like, why go chase this deer when I know I can probably find one and kill it with my with my rifle? It Kind of like that. Yeah, and another thing too is as far as like our personal life schedule with the ranching and stuff, we are super busy from the middle of July through now, really. I mean, working cattle and doing ranch type stuff the way my family, our, our family all runs our ranching operations and so we don't really have haven't had and won't for the foreseeable future enough time to really scout and hunt hard this right. time of year right all right let's dive into um tell us the story of how the hunt went down it sounds like they're running together and then you shot one buck and shot the second buck so one of you or both of you walked through how it went down yeah i'll start because i uh well, I killed first. I 
killed mine on Friday. And then I, I found them first uh, about a week before the hunt started. I went and found them and I saw mine first when I went in there and glassed them up, they weren't running together. And I saw mine. Actually, let me take that back. I saw Roberts first. He was running with another really nice buck and I glassed him up from ways off. I was about a mile and a half off and I just knew I knew he was nice. I knew he was a pretty good three, but I wasn't sure how I wasn't sure how good, but I knew he was good. I knew he was one to watch. And then I saw mine right afterwards and I was like, Wow. So then I called Robert later that day and I, I couldn't go out scouting the next two days. So like you need to go in here and we need to figure out what's going on with the buck that I killed, at least that double beam, whatever you want to call it, kicker, double beam, I don't know. But. Freaky buck. Yeah, that buck. And then I said, and there's also this three by three that I think he's, he's a tank. I think I was, it was really hard to tell. I know he had us fooled. It was hard to tell the whole time watching him. But, and so then, yeah, Robert went in there the next day and he found them running together and he got closer to me. He got to a better spot where he could look at that country and he got closer and he got some good video that we could study and we knew we knew right away that was, those were two bucks we wanted to chase. And so um, Friday morning, opening morning, we go in there, find them right away. Like it was just perfect. We just found them right away. Up feeding together? Uh, yes, they were together. They were together with like with three other little bucks Okay. in the same spot. But we, we put eyes on them at that point, I think, oh, a handful of times. That whole week leading up to it, we went out about every day before the hunt just to make sure that we could keep eyes on them and found them. And it just, they were working on a slope that made a presentable stock opportunity for me. And, uh, I went up there and just, I had Robert walking me in and like I said, on my Instagram post and it's a hundred percent true. It would have been impossible to have done it without him walking me in on them. And it's kind of anticlimactic because it was just textbook. Like, just slipped right up there and yeah, right into range. Elevation and I was out of sight until I was 20 yards away. And uh, they were feeding behind a tree where they couldn't see me. And then they stepped out. Both of them stepped out. And I smoked mine. Was there? Did, were you going to shoot either buck? Or had you decided that you were going to shoot the, the non-typical buck? Well, so this is, where, this is where it gets. I guess this is the only part of the story that didn't go textbook was I knew I was close. Robert knew I was close. He could see it all happening, and he was talking to me. And he uh, he said they're feeding out from behind this tree, and uh, they're going to be able to see you because I was close. I was I ranged the tree, and it was I think it was eighteen or twenty yards. And uh, so he said he asked he's like, can you get any lower or like hide yourself any better? And I knew I couldn't see if I got down on my knees, but I did it anyways. So I got down on my knees and I couldn't see. It's like I gotta stand up. So I stood up, and at that point they had come out from behind the tree and they saw me stand up. And um, the buck that Robert ended up killing, he was standing in front, broadside, perfect shot. And then my buck was standing behind him. He just had his head out, and they were they had me pegged. And I was, I figured I was like, well, I have to draw because they got me pegged. So I drew back. Robert's buck kind of jumped and took off down the hill. And I just watched that non-typical and he stepped, he stepped out and he stopped, which was amazingly lucky for me. <laughs> Cause I, at that point, like were you locked in and already looking through your peep and he stopped? Yeah. 
yeah, I was locked in because I, I drew back and I had just found my Pete when Robert's buck took off and I was going to shoot him because I, I didn't really care Yeah. at that point. I figured they were going to score very close to the same, which they ended up doing. And I really liked him. I really liked that big three. He had a huge frame on him, bigger frame than I'd ever seen. And I really liked that. But when he took off, I didn't even watch him because I knew that that double beam was right there. And yeah, he just stepped out and stopped right in my sight. It was so that was, I mean, there was a whole lot of luck that went into it, but that right there was just dumb luck. It's such a cool buck. I'm sure Robert's perspective of, you know, seeing your brother go down on your knees, then seeing the buck spook off. I know as a spotter, you're, I mean, a lot of times your heart's racing more than the, the hunter because the hunter's kind of dialed in and, you know, focused. The spotter's just going, what is going on over there? And then you released the arrow and Robert, did you know right away that he had made a good hit or what, what was, what was your indication? Um, at the shot, like, I mean, I mean, I could see him and the deer in the same frame, which is really <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, so at the shot, uh, the first thing that I kind of noticed is I could see the arrow shaft, um, sticking out from Luke's side uh-huh. and, and I, you know, good hit. It looked good or whatever. And he said, I think it's kind of high. And he ran this, this deer didn't go very far, 60 yards, 70 yards down the hill and immediately laid down, you know, Oh, good hit. And as it turned out, it was a good hit a little bit high. And I think that's why the shaft, the arrow maybe didn't pass through, mm-hmm. but like going a little, just going back just to hear to what you said about me being excited. Yeah. I think I was probably more excited than him watching <laughs> him producing on these deer because, you know, in the moment when you're the guy on next to him, I don't know, as far as me personally, it was almost kind of a, you go into a, a mode like and me being removed from it. It's a lot easier to let your emotions start running. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Luke, your buck on the left side by his eye guard, he's almost got like this extra main beam. And then he, he's got a real long G2 on one side and then almost like his G3s. He's got a couple of little uh, G3s, yep. really tall eye guards. Looks like he's got heavy bases too, just a big beautiful buck um okay so that buck is down the other um robert your buck is the typical three by three just wide uh buck he has run off so at that point robert was your buck gone or did you still have eyes on on that buck that ran off uh when he left he left as far as i have no idea where he went and i really didn't care you know right we had right one buck down right and again kind of like you said he was gone right we had no idea where he went or what he did and the other deer with these bucks again same thing you know tunnel vision right um so yeah so you get over there and you've got this buck down i mean you guys had to be ecstatic as big as this deer is and heavy and just cool character at what point then, once you got the buck taken care of, you know, how, tell me the rest of the story of how then you decided to go after the other buck. Yeah, so I guess I'll start it. We, uh, we got him taken care of. I ended up, yeah, I ended up, he went like, well, yeah, I didn't quite get a chance. We didn't get the chance to finish, but he went down under a tree, laid down for about 10 minutes and it, you could tell it was high. He wasn't. He was hurt really bad and he was bleeding a lot. I could see blood. Like I didn't go follow his blood trail. I was watching him, but I could see where he ran. I could see the blood, but he got up after about five or 10 minutes. I was kind of hobbling with his head down and I 
ended up shooting him then through the lungs at 55 and that he nice. died right after so nice yeah so it wasn't a perfect first shot i held i held high because i've been a I didn't really have time to range him and he was closer than I expected, but right. it is what it is. It happened and it, it worked out well. But anyways, we went back after that day. So that was Friday. We went back Saturday and we looked and we found, um, we didn't find him. He was, he was the one deer that we didn't find in that area that we'd been watching. There were two other bucks that were both really good three by threes. One was a three by four that we watched that were, Probably not quite as big, but they were they were really good deer. But they didn't give us any kind of presentable stocks. They didn't give us good opportunities, so we ended up not moving at all on Saturday. And then um, Sunday, we figured we were going to split up a little bit, hit two different vantage points to hit the country a little bit better, about oh three quarter of a mile, a mile apart. And Robert took off in the dark to one, and I was at the I took off to the other. I got there first, and I was there maybe. If our Robert, he got to his spot and was glassing at first light for maybe, oh, 15 minutes when he called me and said, you need to be up here right now. Found this buck and it's, it's in a good spot. So I booked it up there and got with him. And then, Robert, you can kind of say what. I do have one question before, before Robert talks about a stock. From the place where you shot the deer, Robert's deer had taken off bunch of the other deer on saturday were still there now you're sunday how far away is robert's deer from the core area of where you had been watching him or is he right there he was about half a mile away okay probably. so he had moved and it, and the thing is is too is like where they were hunting it was it's grassy country it was about half a mile but half it was easy half a mile okay like it wasn't Okay. It was not unreasonable that well, that he might have been heading to water or something too. I don't know, but it was an easy half a mile, and he was actually running with two of the deer that we had seen the day before. So it wasn't. It was an easy half a mile, and it's in some. It was in some pretty brushy country where Saturday he could have been right there. Right. Okay, so my point of my point of that is, a lot of times I like to point out that that, that coos deer, even if they get bumped. If they don't get bumped too bad and, and you kind of leave them alone, they will come right back to their kind of their home, their core, you know, their their home range that they're comfortable with. Is is that in your mind what happened with this deer? He was pretty much right where he's been hanging. Uh, I'd say there's a good chance. Okay. I mean, I can't, you know, we can't say confidently because we didn't see him. But right. the way he acted uh, when Luke um, shot his deer and everything that happened, I really don't think he went very far again. It just as I, we were focused on Luke's deer at the time. Right. And I think that, you know, in coos deer country, obviously, you know, better than us that it, they can hide. It's really easy. Sure. He could be laying down and never get up and you just don't see him. Right. And even like you said, he might've been boogered enough to maybe go to a little bit different spot the next day and maybe get over it. I don't know how you want to put it, but then the day after, two days later, he was back and, Right. Life seemed hunky dory to him. Okay, so Luke gets up to your position. You show Robert. You show Luke where he's at, and then the stock is on. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, thirty minutes after the sun was up, I was moving. Um, they kind of were drifting in a general direction, and the wind was not really moving, but as consistent as we could figure it, it was right for us. And so I got down kind of in front of them, and then. Uh, I'm trying to, Luke could explain this better because I couldn't see the deer. 
during all this, you know. So right. it was it was a it was a very stressful stock. It was uh <laughs> it was a long stock. It was a really long stock and they uh they got bumped by coyotes pretty bad, which um like bumped like tails up running bumped like yeah. okay. Yeah. It was it was it was um they had more of a reaction than I normally see from cruise deer bucks with coyotes, but I saw the coyotes, like I saw it all happen. And it was coyotes and they, uh, what ended up happening was it made them switch directions and it switched their course of travel quite a bit, which made it hard to figure out what was going to happen. But then they ended up going quite a ways off from the direction where we thought they were going to go. They almost made a complete turnaround and then they went and got in some brush and, uh, kind of started feeding and then they started to bed down one by one and then I'd see them get up and whatnot. So at that point, that was when this all took place over the course of probably two hours. Like it was, it was really slow and Robert was moving really slow because he was really close the entire time. Like, cause they were very close to him when the coyotes bumped him. And so it just, we were trying to just go really slow and make sure the wind was right make sure they never saw him or heard him. And then um, they were in those trees out of sight. And from my vantage point, uh, it was really hard to know what it was looking like from Robert's vantage point because it wasn't good terrain at all. So it was hard to describe to him what was going on because of just the terrain, the way the terrain was working and the angles that we were at in the distance, he was a long ways away from me. And I wasn't at a super high vantage point where I could really see down into the country. So, but he ended up getting in to how far were you? About 70, 80 yards? Yeah, just about between 70 and 80 yards, somewhere in that range, I'd say. Yeah, from where they were. And then and then that was the wait, wait for them to do something at that point, which we waited for an hour, hour and a half for them to get up. And they got up and they started feeding out. And Robert had to move. They fed out the wrong direction of the group of trees for him to make a shot. So he had to move while they were feeding and he ended up getting very close to one of the bucks closer than he knew because he couldn't see it from his, from his perspective. He couldn't see it. The terrain was wrong for him to see it. He was about 20 yards from one of the deer, about 50 yards from his and he got a shot and he made a perfect dot shot on him. And, and like we were saying earlier about the whole spotting being more special than the stock from my experience with that stock that I made and then spotting Robert, I was way more nervous watching Robert. That was hard. But yeah, Robert, I don't know if you got anything to add. I kind of took your whole story there. <laughs> so Robert, you just smoked him just perfect. I mean, he just is as good as you could draw it up. You hit him perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, and that's, that, that's pretty much how it went. Um, when, when you did shoot, was he feeding head down, head up? What was, what was he doing? He was, well, uh, just like Luke kind of mentioned to back up, I had to move forward towards him to be able to see him the way that, again, like he's kind of mentioned the terrain. And so when I had, had moved up to where I could see, um, I could see one of the other bucks down in front of me. I could range him at 40. The second deer, like Luke had mentioned, was in between me. The first deer I could see behind some lower brush that I, I mean, he, Luke had told me he was there, but I couldn't see him and, it, you know, whatever. And then he happened, he stepped out into an opening that I could range. I could see the upper half of his body, the top half of his body, and I could range his back at 50. And like you mentioned, his head was down and grazing. 
So, you know, Drew, I knew the 50, there was some, some grass and some things below the midline, but I also knew that was at 40. Right. So I knew that if I was, if I executed the shot, you know, my arrow would pass over that to hit him. And at the shot, you know, things felt good. But again, like I mentioned, since the grass was right at midline, I couldn't see arrow impact. It hit just right at to touch below midline. So at the shot, he wheels and runs off as well as the other deer. And I, you know, I don't have any idea. The shot feels good. Right. That's all I know at this point. Right. And then at that point, Luke, could you see the deer and enough to say you, you got him? Yep. Uh, they all three wheeled and run off. They never saw Robert. Didn't know he was there. So they just kind of ran the other direction. And um, I watched him go 50, 100 yards maybe. And they crossed a little wash, a little cut deal. All three of them dropped down into it. Two of them ran out. And the third one, the one that Robert shot, he never ran out. So I just kept my eyes on that spot for a while, for probably a good 15, 20 minutes while Robert tried to find blood and then kind of follow the blood trail and dead deer in that cut. So That's awesome. It, Man, was, it was really cool. Two phenomenal deer. I mean, guys, I don't know if you've scored them, but my impression, these are 110-inch type deer, you know, maybe a little bigger, maybe a little smaller. Did you score them? 112 was mine and Roberts was 111. On yeah, the I mean, just bomber deer, uh, especially with archery equipment. Um, that is going to be a hard uh, thing to repeat again. I I'm, I know you guys are probably up for the challenge, but uh, that's that's saying something right there. Two deer over 110. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. We're, uh, I mean, kind of still, I guess, in shock about it. I mean, uh, it's just been it was it's amazing it, we're just i mean we're just blessed to be able to do this and to even have to even have the opportunity to even attempt something like that is right. unreal i mean that's and to be able to pull it off i mean it's again it's just it's it's unreal do you think it um fuels the fire even more now um i mean are, do you feel like shooting two big deer like that with your bow as far as just overall coos deer are you even more fired up about you know buddies with rifle tags and you know anxious to get out there and find more big bucks i would say yeah i mean that it's just got our yeah we're pretty fired up about the whole fall <laughs> you know trying to uh like our our dad has a unit one elk hunt the september archery hunt coming up and so oh awesome so we're as far as like our mentality is, we're kind of shifted into trying to shift into elk gear. Yep. I mean, but we know as soon as that's over, it's back on the deer. And by the time January rolls around, it can't come soon enough. I know, I know that we're both <laughs> going to be ready to get hit it for ourselves. And then with we know enough other people, like you mentioned, friends and, and family and different people that we like to hunt with and enjoy it. And it's it's going to be it's going to be a good fun fall. That's awesome. Um... I know it's always bittersweet for people when they shoot an archery buck, but I don't feel sorry for either one of you two. So, so it's, <laughs> um, but you know, when you shoot a buck, uh, then, you know, you can't hunt the rest of August. You can't hunt, uh, in the December hunt. So you're just jonesing and chomping at the bit for January to come so that you're legal. And for those that are listening in the state of Arizona, you can only kill one deer per calendar year. So now the Todd brothers have to wait till January 1st before they can shoot another deer. So, but again, like I said, I don't feel one ounce, uh, bad for them. And, but I am super proud of them. Uh, 
two awesome deer. It's great hearing the story. Uh, the the unit one elk hunt coming up. Um, do you guys have much experience with elk, or is this going to be kind of one of your first times with a really good archery elk tag? Um, my dad and I actually, luckily, have drew it two or th- two years ago together. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I got a bull. Nothing special, just a bull. And then my dad had a couple opportunities. We was able to hunt together, and you know he couldn't quite capitalize, but it. As far as elk hunting experience goes, I am a novice. I've spent time out in the woods hunting elk with my bow. I was able to hunt in New Mexico a couple different hunts. Um, going to school there, was able to hunt as a resident and have you know much better opportunity to get tags and was fortunate enough to get a couple. And um, it's it's there's nothing better than that though. That I mean that's just that's it as far as hunting in Arizona and the West goes. I would say is September elk hunts. Yeah, it's pretty sweet for sure. Well, guys, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. Um, I know people are going to enjoy hearing it. And, uh, again, wish you guys uh, the best of success and uh, proud of you guys. And that's a heck of an accomplishment. I know uh, being able to do it as brothers, do it together, that's going to be sweet, uh, you know, to relive those memories for a long, long time. It's one of those things that you guys will never forget. And you know, when you get to be an old fart like me, you'll still be talking about when the two, you, you know, and I know you guys are going to have many more encounters. You'll shoot great rifle bucks like you've done and and such, but uh, pretty neat to be able to shoot two, you know, Boone and Crockett uh, or, or better bucks, um, you know, with your bow, you know, a couple days apart. So pretty sweet. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. I mean, Cool, saying that it was cool that doesn't even do it justice it was incredible yeah right. incredible it was, it was what dreams are made of right there this last weekend so it's gonna be we'll be riding that high for a while for sure awesome well you guys have a great elk hunt enjoy that and uh love to see the bucks in person one of these days and uh when i get back uh to arizona here come october or so i'll have to look you up and uh congrats and uh keep after it okay guys thanks a lot for coming on Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it, Jay. All right. God bless. Take care.